from Boca Raton, Florida. This is Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis are joined by Jewish music singer Rabbi Shlomo Katz. Reb Shlomo discusses how Shlomo Karbach continues to inspire him, shares his thoughts on the difficulties of moving to Israel, and explains how we can take full advantage of Elul. Also, confronting the rise of anti-Semitism, plus honoring Representative Ted Deutsch as he gets set to leave Congress, and recapping a special night celebrating Jewish unity and Torah. All this and more, Behind the Bima. Good evening, it is Wednesday night at 9 p.m. I am your host, Rabbi Efren Goldberg, and I'm joined by my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi Josh Brody, and we're here to take you... Behind the Bima. We're going to take you behind the Bima. Rabbi Brody, this is a big episode. It is episode number 101. 101. Kind of, we passed that hurdle, celebrated 100, now we get back to business. Now we get back to the business of inspiring meaningful conversation, going behind the Bima, connecting with our beloved audience. And uh, it's exciting. You know, it's kind of like after Aaron Judge hit 61, then you get that behind him. And then, you know, we hit 100 and now yeah. we're ready to keep going. So super exciting. Aaron Judge, is that like a football guy or who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, done. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot going on. Very, very exciting, incredible event. What Rabbi Brody has mysteriously been referencing and alluding to for the last several weeks actually happened last several last years night. last several years actually happened last night and it was wonderful it was really fantastic really special he'll tell you that i got emotional when i left him a message afterwards it was really great so we'll get to it in a moment Thank but you. there is a lot uh, going on start with the adl report adl put out a report yesterday that anti-semitic incidents in the state of florida since last year are up what do you think what percent um, first of all, you know I definitely did not see this article, so whatever I say is uh, is, is, is on the, uh, off the cuff. Um, I would say it's up probably fifty percent. Anti-Semitic incidents are up seventy-one percent. Well, that's 71%. pretty scary. One percent. I'll tell you the same day that that report came out. My wife, the Rebbitson, was at Costco, and she was checking out, and someone came oh, up no. to her. And she, you know, you know, she dresses like a modest woman. And I guess someone in the know would recognize her as an observant Jew, but she's not wearing any outwardly religious signs or symbols. And yet someone came up to her and said, are you Jewish? Said, yeah. And then said something obnoxious or nasty. Really, you know, it wasn't traumatic, but, hmm. but shook her. You know, you're in Costco. Is there a more Jewish, if Jews can't be safe in Costco, right? Costco is like a Jewish embassy. You should be safe there. You should have right. Israeli flags in Costco. Who else is buying Paper gold toilet paper and that in that quantity, other than Jews. Right. Like Costco's made for Jews. They you should have those well, they should have those kosher uh, hot dogs, you know. They should make kosher hot dogs in Costco. They should. If you can't yeah. be safe in Costco, like I don't know where you can be safe. And yet that happened to her just there. So a little scary, a little scary to see it's that go scary. up. Very, very concerning anti-Semitic incidents, the ADL report. We've got an eye on that. We've got something exciting. Say, have you ever been, have you ever had any anything you did the famous story in Tampa right yeah we something. were up in uh, St Augustine right. and uh, someone came up called my daughter a dirty and ugly Jew hmm. and uh, yeah you know it's funny I always remember when I was in Elizabeth there used to be this this supermarket called um, not Pathmark Pathmark was like the upscale place to go shopping for Elizabeth <laughs> they were, they were Elizabeth they were, Food Town was right behind the Dunkin Donuts. And I remember, I see. I thought this might have been an, maybe, maybe like a like an anti-Semitic uh, attack on me. But I'm then I'm wondering. I don't know if I was ever wearing a yarmulke, so I'm not sure it wasn't anti-Semitic. But I think it was. And this guy just came and he started chasing me. And I was on my bicycle, and I said, "There's no way I'm on a bicycle." And he's running. I'll just and he caught me, and I was so afraid. I've, I've never it's told scary. anyone that story before. Yeah, 
That's parking scary, lot of really. food town. Yeah. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking on the news. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is scary. Look, it's jarring. If you're not somebody who looks for or is used to conflict and you're not in conflict, you're not fighting yeah. over anything. Someone is just denying your right to exist. First of all, I know my mom's going to call me right now. I said, Mom, don't worry. Everything turned out okay. Yeah, you just want to check on you're, me and make sure right. everything's okay. <laughs> so that's some of the bad news, the troubling news. There is some good news this Sunday in Mirza Hashem. Um, at two weddings. I'm officiating at two weddings. Baruch Hashem, Simchas, amazing. Simchas. It's really wonderful. And both Simchas are, are, are a huge Simcha. I'm really excited for, for all four parties involved, all four families. Very excited. For Simcha, you know, people found each other in a, in a beautiful way. But the second wedding are actually two 70-year-olds who had never been married before. Two individuals in their 70s, a man and a woman in their 70s, never married before, found each other, like getting married, super, super excited for them. Her brother's the one who actually asked us for a, a name of a reporter, thought it was really a worthwhile story. And the message is, never give up. Keep looking, keep go. searching. God's got someone out there for everyone. And these two people wanted to get married. They, they weren't close to the idea. And two singles in their 70s found each other. And I'm really excited for them and to celebrate with them. And uh, please, God, two two great simchas this Sunday. So that's that's really exciting. Gersh, you hear that? There's somebody. There's hashtag, somebody there. hashtag. Where is he in the comments? Come on, people. Hashtag get, get, get Gersh married. Yeah. We love Gersh. As long as they drive at night, he'll go out with them. That's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we can't give a better plug for this. This is a worldwide audience listening. We've got a great guy. He's a chef. You'll have great meals every single night. He's a chef. Do you know he's, he's cooked for like dignitaries, politicians, world leaders? So actually, when the queen passed away, yeah. I said, Gersh, tell me about the time you cooked for the queen. He's like, What are you talking about? I'm like, for sure you cooked for the yeah. queen. You cooked for <laughs> anyone who ever comes up, he's like, I want to cook for them. Yeah. So he's an amazing guy. And and you know, the point for everybody is stay patient, keep looking, right. let God Don't do his up. matchmaking work. Don't give up. And you know, there's a great couple and it's going to be a great wedding. Super excited for them. We've got uh, the Shabbos. We've got a lot going on. we got a new member, special Kiddush. Welcome, young leadership, taking a real leadership uh, uh, position in the shul, real lead in the shul. But Amazing. we're also at the end of Davin and going to be honoring mm. our congressman, our dear friend, Ted Deutsch, Ted and Jill. Really? Yeah, 12 and a half years. He served as our congressman. And not only did he fight for so many things that we care about, and you know, mm -hmm. you agree, disagree, politics, a lot of domestic issues that I know people disagree about, but there's been nobody better in Congress for Israel than Theodore Deutsch, than Ted Deutsch. He's been really, really amazing, but he's also been great for our community. I can't tell you how many people don't have a passport, don't have a visa, need help with this emergency, this crisis, this urgency, this legislation, always responsive, always there. In fact, I was talking to him last week and I said, he's going out, he's becoming the CEO of AJC, American Jewish Congress, really really American Jewish committee, a really big position excited from there. I said, you know, we're going to miss you in Congress, but is, is your office in Boca staying the same? Like, are we going to still have same access to people? Because it's Wendy, it's Alex, it's it's the people who help get things done. So we're going to have a chance on Shabbos morning at the end of davening, very brief, very quick, but to be able to show appreciation, retire 12 and a half years representing us, our district to thank him and to thank uh, Jill. And uh, we're excited for them and, and their future he's, and what they can do, what he can do at the AJC. Oh, he's he's going to do great things. I can tell you, when AJ had his bar mitzvah, I remember he showed up for the bar mitzvah. And there were some very prominent people in the room. These rabbis that, you know, we have great people in our community. I said to AJ, I said, you know, there's a congressman right now in your bar mitzvah. <laughs> he's such a yeah. match. He, like, he shows up. He's great. He's a regular he's guy. Great. He's a regular guy. Regular we guy. knew him before yeah. he got to Congress and throughout Congress. And uh, I'll never forget flying 
to Washington. Right. He, he actually won in a special election. Robert Wexler uh, resigned midterm because he went to go take the helm of uh, of a organization for peace, Danny Abraham's organization. And there was right. a special election and Ted won. So unlike a regular turnover in Congress where everybody's sworn in together, he won a special election. So he was sworn in all alone. It was a special, special, special day. And I flew there and I, I'll never forget um, because he and I studied the Parsha, seeing him, he, he put his hand on an art scroll stone chumash, <laughs> and he was sworn in on an art scroll stone chumash in Congress, which right. was really, really amazing. So he, he's a wonderful person. And again, everyone could agree, disagree. So much, so much vociferous conflict now, so much going on. And I don't know, it's like, who even wants to see the conversations online? They're filled with such venom. And you see their their personal and the attacks and their issues. You know, New York Times had a big story about the Hasidic community education, and there's a lot to say in every direction. I'm I'm not weighing in, not right now, probably not ever. But people can have conversations without it getting personal and the attacks. Right. And so on politics also, but it's undeniable that he was very good for our community, to our community, and on behalf of our community on on issues that we really really care about. I would say the forefront particularly Israel. So excited to be able to celebrate that. I can't, that I can't wait. Cause I guess when you're speaking, he'll be sitting on the Bima. So we'll be behind the Bima. I'll be, I'll be, uh, chat, I'll be chatting it up with him. He he'll was be, on behind the Bima. He was on behind the Bima right. together. Um, early, early days. Yeah. Early days. Yeah. So we're excited for that. And of course we're getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. I don't think the average it's person crazy. knows, you know, you come to shul and it's just, yeah, there's a chazan, there's a person blowing the chauffeur. They're going to give a speech. But from the I know. registration, first, tagging first, shares. First of all, you didn't see carpets. tonight because you, you had another event that you were at. But the blue chairs are in the shul. Blue chairs are in the shul. We've they already just moved, moved them in this afternoon. Already. Yeah. 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 So blue chairs are in the shul. And um, a lot goes on behind the scenes. An enormous amount goes on behind the scenes. But, you know, our job is for everybody to get to shul and, and not even notice. Right. You know, like you're not supposed to notice the empire at a game. If they do their job, you don't notice them. Yeah. Also, it's the same thing. You're supposed to come to shul and not notice the AC or the wrong chair or the seating right. or care, the chazan. If it's smooth and no one noticed all the work that went into you, it, you, you, you notice you notice for Ashray when you sit down. You're like, hmm, <laughs> where's <laughs> that cushion? <laughs> not nearly as comfortable. Well, before we bring bit. on our great oh, guest, Shlomo Katz, we're super yeah. excited. Back to back weeks of Katz's. Eitan oh, Katz great. and Shlomo Katz. And we'll talk afterwards about two brothers, share some DNA, same parents, but uh, very similar very in many ways, right? different than others. Really excited to have them back-to-back because -back each an inspiration in their own way and, and a lot of overlap and closeness between them. But before we do, Rabbi Brody, tell us about last night. What last did night you... It was a dream that came true. And now we're looking at the finish line in... June. It's actually the end of May, and we, I think we were able to do something last night, which was, which which was so special, which many of us have have hoped for, and and I'll just try frame it before, which give me a little bit of a lead in here because I'm too excited. But we showed a video from the late great Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs describing, and this is like a chilling moment because he's yeah. describing a program. We wouldn't it be great, and he's talking to a federation group, but it's not a group doing anything other than sitting in learning lear, lear, learning from him but they're not engaged in anything other than listening and he's talking about wouldn't it be great if you're sitting across the table from another jew and you could literally reach out your hand and shake the hand of a jew that's a little bit different than you and 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 get to know them a dream so, what, a dream a dream this is the fantasy this is this can't happen what, what world would that ever happen well last night ladies and gentlemen after 
years of hopes and trying and maybe figuring out if this could ever work, the plan was simplified in so many ways. If I would have told this to you a year ago, and, and Rabbi Goldberg has been so incredible as a guide and as a mentor, just helping shape what this can possibly look like, because there were very broad and and, and bold ambitions, which maybe in, in, in another world would have been possible, but not in this world that we're living in. But but try figure out all the all the obstacles and 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 work around them. And finally, we said, you know what? Let's come to a neutral space, place where no one would say, I can't walk into that room. Let's make sure it's a program which everyone would agree on, which means, okay, I can't listen to that speaker. I'm like, I listen to this person. Fine. No speakers. Two Jews, different from one another, intentionally set up with each other to learn a piece of Torah on Achtas. And last night we said, well, we could easily pack a room in Boca with so many, so many people living here. But wouldn't it be great to show the leadership of all these places, representatives of all these institutions? And we'd say we have, you know, 35 shuls and we have seven day schools right now. We have all these different organizations. And one by one, each of them started coming on board to the point where we have a list, scrolling list. Everyone saw it last night. A hundred Jewish organizations in our community, 200 plus participants at the event. I saw on, on Facebook today, people were saying 350 people. I didn't correct anyone. That's fine. You can say 350 people. It's fine. But more than 200 people were in this room studying in a peer-to-peer, chavrusa, chavruta, unity, achdut, achdus, whatever you want to say. Goal is getting to know one another through Torah. That's it. Not on Zoom, not on the phone, across the table. You can literally reach out and shake the hand of the person across. And it was emotional. It was very emotional because people didn't want to go home. You were assigned to see. You hadn't, none of us knew what was happening. You were no one knew. Them, no one knew what you were coming Actually, it was a great testament to you because everybody's faith in you. They came not knowing what it was, but you were assigned to see. You sat down, just long tables. You're sitting opposite somebody. The lights went out. That Rabbi Sachs video played. You spoke, and and the lights came on, and it just became a vibrant base medrash of Chabad's Beis Yaakov, Chavetz Chaim, Adar, Yeshiva South Florida, APAC, um, JNF, Reform, Conservative. Sure. Every every segment, and there were no differences in the room, and the text was a text that everyone could feel comfortable learning. It was Gemara's, and it was some Hasidish text, and it was a booklet that was made up, easily accessible to everybody, and just sat and learned. And and you didn't know. I know that you, this was like the hardest, this was harder than sitting at a wedding. You put people together who didn't know each other specifically. Right. Everyone was sitting across from someone they didn't know. Right. And then they just opened the text and studied with them. So Torah is that common language and binded everybody, bounds everybody together. It was an amazing night. It was a beautiful, beautiful really, night. really special. And today I called, I don't know, probably about 20 different people just to say, you know, how would you would, would you think of the event? And everyone told me something, which I, this is the one part that came out of it that no one expected. And no one knows this even happened. You know, I thought people would say, okay, it was great, you know, the learning and getting to know someone. So they said, Josh, the person you set, set me up with, he said, you, did you know why? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, I, I, I had some, like, right. I'll give you an example. Like a president of this synagogue with the president of that synagogue. Great match. The chazan of this synagogue with the chazan of that synagogue. Great match. You know, two people that are funny. I know their personalities like like Rachie Murzoff with Cindy Nimhauser. Great match, right? <laughs> two different organizations, two different worlds. Great match. But everyone said, you don't even understand. I learned there is something, there's some, there's a story, a connection. There was a connection. There was a like crazy connection. There's only a few degrees of separation between it's all of crazy. us. It's crazy. It was a beautiful, beautiful crazy. night. On the other, on the other end, we're going to talk about where it goes from here. Because right. one night, one night, it's easy to do one night. It's not easy at all. But one night is one night. Where right. does it go from here? Really excited on the other end. But let's bring in somebody who brings people together, shines his light, 
and uh, teaches his Torah, somebody who's an artist, a musician, somebody who is a great Rav and a teacher, uh, our dear friend, Rib Shlomo Katz. Oh, the Heilig of the Holy, Rib Shlomo, how geschmack, how gewaldic to be together. I could feel your light and your energy, Mamash, through technology, through the internet, coming across the ocean. It's great to be together. Thanks for letting us go behind the bima with you. I'm so happy to be with everybody here. Thank you. It's really, really fantastic to be together. So, uh, so much to talk about, and uh, we're really excited to get to get into it. Um, but let's start with Elul. Elul, right? Well, when we came on, even before Elul. we just started just now, that's why I said, how are you doing? And your response was one word, Elul, Elul. So in that one word, Elul, for you, what does that mean, right? There's the there are the people that Elul is like fear and scared and thunder and lightning and, and Yira. Then there's Elul that's love and affection and closeness and connection. Then there's Elul, got to write a drusha, got to figure out who's davening at each minion. There's the Elul of I got to organize the meals, who's making the stuff cabbage. So Elul, the, the Elul reaction, Elul can mean so many things to so many different people. What does it mean to Rav Shlomo Katz? Uh, other than the stuffed cabbage, I, I, it just got much more intense for me as you were talking right now. So, <laughs> Elul, Elul. Um, it's, it has to be both. I think it has to be. There used to be a time where it was cool to say, no, Elul, it used to just be about Yeravafachad, but now we know, so it has to be both. There's a, there's a teaching we've been learning the last few weeks here with Acheva that speaks about that the avodah of Elul is to try to attain Yishuv Adas, Yechalkel Dvarav B'mishpat. It's a teaching from Rabbi Nachman about that in order to know what Elul is, in order to know what the year was, in order to go into the new year, let me let me get aligned with Tachlis, where, where I've been and where I hope to go to. And for that, one person, one must try to attain a level of yeshuv adat, of settling your mind down. Today, what the world now, it's the hottest word in the circuit, which is mindfulness. It's not a chidush of, right. of, uh, of today's new age. However, this is something that that the Avot and Imahot definitely embodied. And I think Elul is a time to hopefully uh, tune into a real strong yeshuv adat. But in order to do that, you need... Hello. <laughs> you need everything that that, that 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 that's in that. So that's a little bit of, of what I'm feeling at this moment. We had uh, Rav Weinberger, I think, on last year in Elul, and he spoke about Elul not being that fear and beat yourself up, but some of the love. And ever since then, somebody very close to me sends me Makoros all the time, trying to show me it is Yira and it is Yira and it is Yira. <laughs> but obviously, even he didn't mean that it's all Ava, and that's life is that blend and finding. So what do you do? Let us go behind the beam with Rabbi Shlomo Katz. And, and we're going to get to in a moment that you're you're a Rav, you're a Magad Shir, you're a Mashpi, you're teaching so much Torah. You're also a musician. Is it you're also a musician? Are you still a musician? Is musician included in your being a Rav? We'll, we'll get to all that. But He's also a rabbi. <laughs> right. But, but what does Rabbi Shlomo Katz do for Elul? So how does one align themselves? How does the routine look different? Are you sleeping different hours? Are you learning different topics? Is your davening transformed? Is your eating different? How does Elo look different for you? Wow, that's a, such a big question. I hope to answer it as honestly as I'm as I as I would like to right now because it's a really stark it's a really stark question. Um, to be honest, 
Rav Cook's, Rav Cook's Orosa Tshuva is the guideline for anyone in today's world of Pneumius to really be in tune with Elul, and he starts off with Tshuva Gufanit, physical Tshuva. So yes, I am proud to say I've been going to the gym, Kimat, every day. And I feel like it's as if I'm, uh, it's it's like doing Shnai Mikra. It's, it's just as important as, as anything else. I feel that more and more, I'm sure, Kvodarav, mm. that you're in tune with this uh, in a very deep way, that that has to be part of my Elul, no matter what. Even with the sleeping routine, my, my wife and I have been discussing this, Buch Hashem, we have five, five precious gems in the house, and the, one of them is still a chassid of Vasikin every morning, so that makes it a little bit difficult to have uh, you know, longer longer times of sleeping, but we're doing even in that area as well, because when I sleep better, everyone wins. It's Pashat, everyone wins. Mm. Um, it still needs more more help over there. Um, I'll tell you something beautiful from my, for our Elul, our Chabura, our Chavre here. What we did on the day before Rosh Chodesh Elul, is each person took two people's names, the mother's name, their name and their mother's name. And we went into Elul knowing that there's two other chavre that's carrying, like Aaron Akoyim, Benasa, Shmos, Benesra, Alibo, that each of us know there's at least two people here that every day they're carrying my name on their heart. Wow. I'm going to do that right now. That was, uh, that was, uh, that's been, I, I thought it'd be nice. I didn't realize how much that would actually be, uh, a transforming experience for many of our chavrim. Hmm. So, definitely that. Okay. And the learning, uh, beginning, Rosh, well, I guess here it was like Zion Elul, we waited till the kids went back to school. Uh, getting back into Seder was, was very, very crucial. And I guess it'll lead you to the one of the questions you, you said before, the choosing of, of where music will, when and where music will take place, this Elul, is a is key for my personal tshuva, and that's a lifelong journey that I know it's going to take many more years till I really balance out properly. Hmm. So what what's harder? You're is it, you're a singer, you're a composer, you're a rav, you're you're somebody who teaches Torah. Wh- which is the are those parts of your identity in conflict? Are they competing? Are uh-huh. they aligned? And do they complement? And and wh- which is the harder? Which is the hardest one? Does that change? And it's such sad dishmaya to have Yeshiva Das to answer this question because this is years of deep hisbonus into this question. You know, I never dreamed, I never had an aspiration to be a, a musician. It was never something I planned. I, I never thought I had a good voice. I never really took on an instrument fully as like, wow, this is my weapon. But of course, I grew up in a home of music, so it was always there. But I never identified Till today, it's weird. I know that I am, but I don't identify as one. When I was 22, when I was 22 years old, I was living in Los Angeles, and I started getting into teaching. By then, my brother and I had put out two albums together. Something was starting to buzz. But I knew that I I realized at a young age that I have to go and learn. I I just have to go and get smicha. I have to go back home to Eretz Yisrael, where we where we where we, where we grew up here. And I left at 16, 17, and then came back at 22. It was exactly 20 years ago, two weeks ago, that I came back home. I'm 42 now. And my dad had to convince, my Abba, Sheikhia, had to convince me to bring my guitar with me. Hmm. 
because I, I, I said to him, it's just not, I'm going to go, I'm going to go learn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I think that'll be the Ikar. It was a phase, music was a phase, now you're going to learn. It was a few years, it was cute, yeah, a phase. And I also said to my father, it's like everyone in Eretz Yisrael, you know, <laughs> everyone and their sisters playing guitar. What's going to be the chiddush here? Like it's, uh, you know. And my father said, just take it, just take it with you. So I took it, I put it in my caravan. A caravan, I was, because I was living in a caravan in, yesh- in the famous Yeshivat HaMiftar under the tutelage of my Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Bravinder. And under the the uh, the name of Yeshiv, of Or Torah Stone under Rabbi Riskin, they should both feel well. They should both have refuah and many more years of good health. Bezrat Hashem. Amen. And uh, they they, be, they had tremendous influences on me. Maybe we'll get to that later. That those few, first few months in Eretz Yisrael, well, I'm we I started smicha. We're learning mikvos. Um, we're learning we're learning mikvos. And then with the first year, what were we doing after in after Tishrei, what did we go into after Mikvos? I think we went right into Shabbos. And I had my head's there. But Hashem decided, I'm going to send you a few nigunim. Hmm. And a few nigunim came down. I started singing it to a few friends. And then the yeshivas started calling. And before I knew it, this I, I, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. Arut Sheva called one day, while well, I was in between morning and afternoon's uh, Seder, and they said, Shalom, Shlomo Katz, out of nowhere, they just came on and said, we have your new song, it's out right now. I don't know how they got it. Can you say something to Arut Sheva? Uh, we're going to call you back, you have two minutes. I'm like, okay, I'll put down <laughs> the phone. And I started crying. And I made a achlata at that moment. And I said to the Rebona Shleilam, if this is what you want, I'll, I'll do it. If you want this, I'm not going to try so hard in this. Because I don't think that's really where my kochos should be. But if you, who am I? If, if you want this, the Salem. And that was the beginning of a very interesting period in life. Because I realized how much I'm not really a musician. Because those nigunim, those first few nigunim, they were coming down that year here. They they were making their rounds so fast that bef- they were recorded by other very big artists before I was even able to record them. I'll That's give you an example. Cool. I'm not going to mention names, but I'll give you an example. Like that year or the year after, I was invited to the Hask to do the Hask concert. And I I just saw it as an opportunity to meet more Yidin. I didn't understand how in America it's such a it's such a huge deal. I didn't get it. I'm getting emails from all my friends saying Mazel Tov. It's like Lahavdi, like you know, like the Naismith uh, Hall of Basketball Hall of Fame induction. I didn't understand what this was, right? And when I got up to sing, they gave me two songs. They were at the, they said just just sing, don't talk in between, just, just sing. And I, uh, I felt the crowd was looking at me, wondering why am I singing other people's songs? Songs, it's not, it's not yours. <laughs> what's it what's was, one of those songs? Remember. Can you tell us which one? Yeah, is? yeah. It was um. Right, Shabbos. Wow. Club. We just sang that at our tish this past Friday night. In Shabbos. Shabbos. 
Beautiful. And then the Thank other you. one, I just, I just written. Um, I had no idea these were your songs. <laughs> there you so go. I, so I realized that then and there, like my my mahalas is not. It's probably not going to be this because I'm. I can't run after. This is crazy. This is such a personal, intimate gift from the Rebbeinu I'm not going to get involved in the whole business side of it, but if it is making, if it is bringing amkus, and if it is connecting me to more yidin, how could I have the chutzpah? Like, what kind of what kind of balgaiva is that to say? Sorry, it's, no, 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 it's not for me. I'm I'm above that. Who could say such a thing? And that's what it was like in the beginning, but that kufa somehow stretched for much longer. I had Baruch Hashem three years later completed my smicha. I thought it was just going to be, I didn't know exactly what, but I definitely didn't think that the music would basically, um, I would meet the world. You know, I, I would go Baruch Hashem to every, at a very young age, to already be on like every con, to, 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 to sing with Yidin and to teach Baruch Hashem all over the world. And I started to look at it a little bit differently. And after a while, I realized a few main reasons why it had to happen like that. I think one of the main, main ones was to meet Rev Weinberger. Hmm. Sorry, I just, uh, just thinking of him sometimes is, um, it's meorer. I mean, I think that we're sitting here also mainly due to uh, the, the gates that, um, He's open for so many, but that's definitely an akuda. But also because I felt like that was also one of the ways to meet the Ribbona Shleilam by meeting that this many, you know, this amount of Yidin. In, in, the, in the early 80s, Rib Shlomo Kabach had a Fabrengen in Santa Monica with, uh, with two uh, uh, famous singers. You may have heard of them. Uh, Robert Zimmerman was one of them. Bob Dylan, Bob and, Dylan. Joni, and Joni Mitchell. A lot of stories about what happened there, but my favorite story about what happened there was someone turned to Epshlamon and said, Rabbi, what's your greatest dream? So Epshlamon is in his unique style, you know, his style, he said, my greatest dream is to meet and greet every person in the world. And Dylan right away says, Rabbi, that's my greatest nightmare. <laughs> But I think that there's an akuda that that you get to meet, you get to meet elokus, you get to meet the ribanoshleim by meeting more people. And I was still single, so traveling it wasn't a problem. And I was traveling a lot, a lot, a lot. I was, I was, I was, I was by, by you, of course, and by many, many kihilos and chevra. But Baruch Hashem, that was then. Today, uh, life, life, life got in a beautiful way, got, got sharpened, more mechuvan uh, over the last few years. But I know that what's happening now today, it had to happen through if the, the music. It, there wouldn't be a matzah that I'd be, as far as I feel, that we would have what's going on now and be this, what's going on now with this chavra and this binyan and this movement um, had it not been through that. So... It's conflicting because I I know like you know for some people they 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 don't know a certain side, and some people don't they're meeting me now don't know about what was with with when the music was that, 
But you know, I'll tell you something. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going on with this answer. It's just, it's Maori, a very deep Nakuda in me, and I've been thinking about this lately. I'll tell you a Gavad story. And this will illustrate what, what my tefillah is behind my answer. After the, after the Magid of Mizrich was Niftah, so there was a big commotion. It was a gathering somewhere. And um, they were trying to decide who was going to be the next in line to lead. The Baal Shem Tov was Niftah, so everyone knows. He said, don't Birth, worry. Birthday a, today. Right, right. It's, it's in honor of the Hele Gabesh. And the Alter Rebbe, because it has to do with Alter Rebbe too, the story. So after the after the Magid of Mizrich was, uh, uh, after the Baal Shem Tov was Nifter, everyone knows he said, don't worry, there's a bear in the forest, right? And everyone knew, said that the Magid is going to rain. It took one year, it's a whole story, but the Magid took over. After the Magid was Nifter, it wasn't so clear because it really started to open up. It started to really develop. You had the Kedusha Slavi, the Rebbe Reb Zusha, you had the Chernobler, you had Remendel Vitebsky, you had all these Tzadikim, the Devalter Rebbe. So there was this convention to see who would lead. And after a few hours, it was very clear, unanimously, who was going to be the next leader of Hasidus. Who was it? It was clear to everybody. Reb Mendel of Vitebsk, the Baal Priyaretz. Reb Mendel hears that he's voted unanimously and he runs off to his room at this wherever they were staying. And they heard him crying his eyes out in his room for hours. And he finally comes out. And they asked Remendel, what, what happened? This is not a sad day. What, what, what's the whole... Why'd you run off? And why, is, why do you look so shocked? So he said like this. He said, you know, up until today, I really thought that I was really one of the lowest people in the world. But then when I heard all these things you were saying about me, I started saying to myself, listen, these are not, these are not cottonous people here that are saying nice things about me. Could be It could be maybe I'm not as low as I thought I was. And then I realized that when I get to Shemaim, no one's going to ask me, hey, Mendel, what did Shnei Zalman think of you while you were down there in the world? What did what did Elimelech think about you? They're going to ask me, what do you think of you? What did you think about you? I go with that in my mind a lot when I have to really get out of that 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 Indian of like, so what is it? Are you are you this? Are you that? Because they're not going to ask me in Shemayim, do you, did you see yourself as a rav or did you see yourself as a musician? And um, that story gives me a lot of chizuk to not have to give a definitive answer to a very good question, yet one that I think that, um, that's why I said it, it's gonna, we're going to keep on answering that question as long as Hashem allows me to teach, sing, daven, and be with Yidin. So just want to follow up before everybody jumps in is so so and we're going to get to in a moment your incredible kahila the shul that you're building the beautiful difference you're making so as you've pivoted from that musical tour so you're not on a musical tour anymore and you're not building up a musical brand and you've pivoted to this new do you have to turn off that musical urge is it still playing in the background in your mind is there a niggin that comes to you and you suppress it stop no, like, don't no. finish the niggin i don't want to hear it 
or or the music is still obviously music is is a core part of your very neshama and it comes out in those ways but in order to maintain the pivot do you have to turn off is there a knob is something have to be lowered or turned off or it's just how you spend your time and 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 the the second question i know it's a separate question but it connects because going back when you said these these two nagunim the Robert Brody said he never heard of them, but of course he heard of them because we all sing them. It's like no, I said I didn't. I didn't know it was Rav Shlomo's you know, song. That's you know, my right. point. Right. It's like Rav Shlomo Kaba. All these tunes right. that we sing that people don't even know they're from him. Right. You know, the same is true with you. So, so tell us the mechanics. How a nigan comes to you? You sit down with the guitar and you fiddle and you play, and then it, then it came, or you're literally like you're, you're sitting there, you're you're tapping your fingers, and the next thing you know, there's a nigan. Like, how does that happen? And do you have to turn that off from happening while you're right now? building this kehila mm, no 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 i wouldn't i would yeah Hashem, i wouldn't i hope to never uh turn turn that off consciously at least the nigunim still come down uh here and there but i never sit down I, this is a maybe i should but i never ever play guitar not because of not just because there's no real reason i play when i'm when i have to do an event but I don't really, maybe because of time, I don't know exactly what it is. My father always pushes me. Always says, Shlomsky, that's what he calls me, Shlomsky. We have a beautiful garden where we live, overlooking a, a, a beautiful Yerushalayim, Mama Rachel's kind of hiding over there. It's like really looking, you know, south of Beit Lechem. He says, I want you to sit there, just, just strum away, play. When I do allow myself sometimes, it's beautiful, but it's never almanas. Let's see what could what could come out. I don't think like that. I never did. I personally never did. Maybe, maybe I should have. It's just me. I never did. So I don't suppress. God forbid. Um, I just I travel Baruch Hashem much less. Uh, I travel these days only if it's re if I really f get a sense of the shlichus, or if there's students that have developed a relationship over the last few years online. A great example is I was just in Mexico, and that was that was incredible. I was just in Mexico for it was a whole uh, long Shabbos and a few Sundays and, and a few days Sunday and Monday and packed with shiur and packed with different events. Uh, that's that's when I'll when I'll when I'll go. So that changed a lot. It was usually like and also, Baruch Hashem, we have like I said before, we have five children and four daughters, and we had a. We had a son about a year and a half ago, a bit over a year and a half ago. And these are the years that um, if I can, as long as Hashem enables me to just be able to be here, I do anything. These are the, That's what these years are for right now. Wow. So first of all, it's great to speak to you. And all of my classmates in JEC want to know, how did Yossi become Yossi? And every time it comes back to Rip Shlomo Katz, so the inspiration that you've given him inspires all of us to figure out what is the secret sauce that's going on in that community of yours. And mm -hmm. you keep hearing everything that you're doing. You continue to have a major success. Right. I'm just wondering, when, 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 with, with your music, with the music that, that, that you've composed, how important is the lyrics? Is the lyrics that you're putting into the song, is that supposed to teach? Or no, it's, it's the music's inspiring whatever you're trying to introduce with the song's introduction or afterwards, but the music inspires, but it's not, or is it, no, it's so intentional. What you're, the words you're using, I want you to understand this is the message. It doesn't get lost sometimes. 
when they come together, it's yeah. Gan Eden. When when the when the words and the and the song come, you, 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 by the way, you're pushed, you're in a good way, you're pushing me towards a, a, a touchy area. When the words come in with the nigan, and you could sense they were meant for each other, it's like it's it's Gan Eden. It's Gan Eden. And when it's not, you could hear when it's shoved in to just that's not a nigun, that's just music. So I, I I've never gotten into music. I hopefully have only gotten into like hopefully tried to stay close to uh you know this this thing a world of 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 nigina together with finding the right words. But it doesn't always come. There are a few nigunim of mine that it took three gilgul until I realized just drop it, just drop the words. I have a nigun called nigun of the birds. I I there was like three different versions of of words. So it was a tzurmi shalom. A few others until I realized I die, I die, I just drop it, just just let it just just set it free. So sometimes the message can come across so much deeper when it's stripped from the from the hagabalas, from the limitations of words. I think that's in Chasidus what the, the tznua of a nigun does. The movement of a nigun moves you to that place that's not confined by the limitations of words, but again, when the words are there and it meshes, it it feels like a, just a madnas chinam that that is a beautiful moment in time that 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 lasts forever. So we're we're gonna go there. We had a very spirited conversation with your amazing brother Etan uh, recently about the the role and the impact of of non Jewish music finding its way into niginum and to, to jewish music uh, an interesting aside is how your music had an impact on non-jewish music story of harvest to dum-dum story and techno and that that incredible story i don't know if you want to talk about that for a moment and and, and your reflection on that and what that was is pretty wild so that's the opposite direction right but right. so tell us about that story but then what what are your impressions is is has is jewish music lost its heart it's 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 is something missing? Are we in danger? Are we at risk? Or, or do you say actually after after that conversation with with Eitan, you know, my family had I think at other Shabbos tables there were some continued spirited conversation. Mm-hmm. Maybe Reb Levi Yitzchak would say, look, you know, the kids crave that, and better they find it here with these words with this person than than there. So there's a role for that too. There's a role for that too. I didn't I didn't push back then, but you know, the Gemara talks about how for everything that's us in this world, there's an equivalent heter. And and it gives you know examples of that. So how you know the the cow's udder is like baser b'chalav, and uh, you know all these examples. So maybe yeah. that's there's there's a there's a, a yitzahara for that non-kosher taste. So there's a kosher version of it. There's a kosher version of it of it. So tell us the harvest of dum dum story, and then what are your impressions on this two sides of looking at the impact of non-Jewish music and Jewish. Okay, okay. So Harvest Adamdam is a Pele Me'olam. I don't even know where this story came from, but I, I was getting so many questions about it that I finally put together as much as I could to try to explain what this story is of a, a, a nigun written by one of the biggest influences on my life, um, not just musically, but in a pnimi way, a nigun of Michal Shapiro called the Harvest Nigun. 
Uh, in fact, the Chaver from Simply Tzfat just texted me this morning. They sent me there. They just recorded that track on their new album with words, Vilu Shalayim Ircha, that, uh, that uh, sounds so beautiful. So that's going to be out also in the world, this track. It's a beautiful nigun. We recorded it on the only You album that we put out with Ish Kodesh a few years ago, where Everlasting Love was on, and that, that whole beautiful moment in time. I sang it in the beginning of a shir that I gave on the topic of Lagba Omer a few years ago in someone in one of my dear Chaberim's house here. As you, as you could see in this video, out of nowhere, and I have no idea who these people are, and I have no idea for my life if they're even hidden or how they got to this track. They found it intriguing that some guy that looks like me is chuckling singing they took that they tracked it it's hard for me to even describe what they did with it <laughs> you know we'll have to send the link because it's such a crazy yeah we'll post the link this story that this song um has reached by now i say this because of another piece of information i didn't even share yet online millions because it also became a commercial for i don't know if it's toothpaste shampoo or a drink i can't tell with these spanish uh commercials but that had 12 million views um it it exploded so sometimes hashem says you can think whatever you're doing your hagbalas where you want to go i sometimes need things to go wherever it's nothing to do with you so just don't you know get out of the way that's the ashba in that way I'll go to Ashba this way. Now, taking from taking from that and going in, one of the greatest in influences on my on my feel of music is Neil Young. Neil Young, rocking in the free world. <laughs> Neil Young. Anyone that knows any of his music can hear it in anything that I play. It's it's just there, you know. I I I. I it's just there. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just there. But I never got caught up with him. I never got caught up with whatever that it represented. There was a chush, some kind of chush in his nagina that I felt can I I I very much talked to me and I was and the way my fingers work on the guitar and the neck is just very natural. It's nothing I had to work on. I didn't sit there and look at his fingers or read chord charts to see how to play. It was just a chush. It was just there. Now, the difference, in my humble opinion, between the hashpa of, of the non-Jewish music scene on Jewish music is very different between Eretz Yisrael and America. Very different. Because what's happening in Eretz Yisrael is that no one is singing love songs anymore, even the biggest singers. First of all, half of them have done tshuva like literal tshuva. And even those that aren't considered like living you know, Torahic lives, either because they know what sells and emuna sells today. Emuna sells today. Sells. Emuna is speaking to the hearts today. So if you want to do, if you want to get into El, this is like a crazy thing to say, go to almost any big concert that's going on right now in Eretz Yisrael, you'll walk home with Yerhure Tshuva, huge whether it's Shuli Rand, whether it's Yishai Riba, whether it's Natan Goshen, whether it's Aviatar Banai, whether it's Hanan Ben Ari, it is across the board. 
whether it's Amir Dadon, I don't know if you know any, I'm sure you know some of these names. So the tshuva has the, the and Rav Cook spoke about this so clearly in the beginning of the 20th century, how this is gonna happen. Tshuva has got to infiltrate through the arts. It doesn't mean that it's going to start to sound like the Hasidic Shtetl. But what I think it means is that it's going to drive the Shoresh Neshama of the Yid to the same place that the Nigan drove a Yid in the Shtetl. And that's happening in Eretz, that, that, that's here, and it can only happen here, obviously. In Malasot, it's, it's just, this is the Barsha, Bayaki it can only happen here, this Mahalach of what we're speaking about. Um, so that, that when I say the sound, and now you may listen to them and say, it doesn't sound Jewish. And that you have to, you have to have, go deeper into defining what Jewish sounds. I guess one of the greatest examples for me is that Shlomo once mefarished like this, what's considered something holy? He said, holy is something that if while you're doing it, you feel like you could do it forever, that's probably something Kaddosh. A Yid, if he's doing something that's not so proper, then he won't feel like it's holy because he'll know that even if this is feels good, it's not going to last. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to go away. So I think that if we stop and listen to a lot of the beats that are coming out from different places, and it's really not here in Eretz Yisrael, this is really not, it's not centered here. I think you'll see it's like, it's, it's a good high for a few minutes of adrenaline. It's not it. It's it's not it. It's not it. And kulam mahuvin, kulam. Everyone's trying to do their best, and especially when you see a crowd get riled up by something you do. Why would you think to stop it? But it it takes the you know I, I work on this all the time. It takes the avoda of never getting caught up with what seems to be working outside, unless it's mevurar. I don't know how to say that in English. Mavura, like um clear. It's uh... yeah, sifted through you. Like it's gone through a process of like this feels and sounds clean. Clean. Some people are more sensitive to this than others. So that's my little spiel on, on that without getting too immersed in in, in the, definitely not into individuals, because I really believe Kulamahovin and Kulam Kulam. But I think it's it's on the mechanchim of today that are tuned in. Rav Weinberger leads; he's the captain of this ship, Rav Weinberger. He's the captain of many ships, but definitely this ship of of the premiers of what Jewish music is, and to do it with simcha, to spread that message with simcha and with no fear, with no fear. But the revolution is happening here. Did you ever did you ever meet Rip Shlomo? You are one of the biggest ambassadors of his Torah today, uh, <clears throat> publishing and organizing. My cousin Drew, I know, has worked with you. Some of this incredible work, Halega Drew. So, did, did you ever actually meet Shlomo? And and if not, even if yes, how did you? How were you introduced to to his world? And and why does it do something so special for you? I saw him once or twice as a little kid in Los Angeles. I was 14 when he was Nifter. He was Nifter in 1994. It's going to be 28 years, this Cheshman. I was at his funeral. I was in NYU. Went to, the, oh, wow. went to the west side. It was drizzling. It was raining. We stood in the street. We sang Nigunim at the Levaya. Wow. 
Um, I, I, it's, these are certain things you don't choose. I don't think this was a choice. Yeah, when when it was right when he was nifter, right after he was nifter, it was fourteen. And the story is, is that we were living in Ramana back then, and we had made Aliyah from Los Angeles in '89. This is '94. This is five years later, and um, I'm living in Ramana. And like I said, music was always in part of the house because of my father. And uh, he would always put my brother and I up on stages. Uh, and ah, music also as a kid, I had a Rebbe from Sesame Street who, who was basically convinced he was the big pusher for my first instrument. I grew up on violin because of Moreno, the Heiliger Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Promen. He would go up on Sesame Street and he would play his violin. And that was my first plea from 3 to 11, actually. I, I was, uh, it was, that, was, that was the Indian. I lost the violin at 11. I realized probably, I mean, Mechila, it didn't seem so cool to play violin at 13. I kind of dropped it. But I could probably still figure it out a little bit. Anyway, um, this kid moves into my school in Ranana, this kid that lived uh, in neighboring Herzliya. Strange kid. Didn't, we couldn't figure out what this deal is. He wore a, like a big kippah. None of us wore big kippahs back then. And he had weird things coming out of the sides of his ears. None of us had those things from the sides of the ears back then either. But what was most intriguing is that this kid stayed in school during recess. And um, I've always been, being social is a very, it's a very natural thing for me. It's not like uh, I really work on it. So I, was, I naturally went up to him one day and I said to him, like, I invited him to come play ball with us. And um, he said, no, no, thank you. And this happened a few days in a row. And I finally said, and he would sit with earphones on all the time. Finally asked him, like, why don't you want to come outside with us? What are you listening to that's keeping you in here all the time? And he says, are you sure you want to know? I said, yeah, I really, I would like to know. And he put, he put those earphones on my ear. And, um, for reasons I'll never be able to understand, I knew at that moment that this is going to probably be the mahalach of life. And I was 14. I don't hmm. know. I don't understand. All I knew is that whatever this was, I wanted more of. But after a pretty short while, I realized what intrigued me much more than the songs, what, what was happening between the songs. In fact, that's kind of how I got married. Because my wife, Shetichia, who grew up on Moshev Matisiel, she had someone, one of the, one of the yeshiva bachers that would eat meals in, in her home, in Matisiel, he loaded her iPod. Is that what it was called? iPod? That first thing, right? Yeah. The first thing, iPod. I'm getting the yeah, iPod with a bunch of, of, uh, of uh, music and one of his rib, rib, rib shlomo music. Right, my, my wife was the shamus. She was she was looking to be the shamus of Rebbe and Scheinberg. Huh. And um, she would go and, and take care of her in Yushalayim in Matisdorf. And um, one day while she's on the bus, she's listening to Hineyamim Ba'im, Days Are Coming. And right there, Shlomo has a whole thing about what Amos Hanavi was really speaking about. She starts crying, crying. She goes on and she Googles Shlomo Kravach Torah, took her to a yeshiva, 
in Yerushalayim, Simchat Shlomo, where I happened to be teaching. Um, and that's where I met her during a shir. So, wow. Shlomo's the Shadchan. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Anavi and, and, and Reb Shlomo. So, yeah, so that, and then I just started writing from the age of 17. I just started, I realized this is my, this is what, this is what Tarash Ba'apeh probably will, will meet, will, this is the closest experience I'll have to, to feeling a schavrus to Tarash Ba'apeh from a personal perspective. And I started writing down every word that I heard him say. And I will say that at that age, right then we moved to Los Angeles, right around then, 16 years old, and I was so into this, but we had to move back. There was someone that took me under his wings when I was 16 years old. My father became the chazan of Beth Jacob in Los Angeles. And on Shabbos, we heard banging coming from downstairs. I went and peeked to see what was going on downstairs. And I found some soul brothers, specifically one, who took me under his wing and introduced me to many worlds that are very, very close to, to, to everything that I do right now. And that is Stewie. That's Stuart Wax. Oh. Wow. Stewie took me to Oman for the first time. He got me my first um, parish on the Kutimran for the first time. And many, many other firsts. The parish of Bikurim. A lot of the Bikurim in my life were from him. So that's in a nutshell how that... that, mm. that, that we love Stewie. Stewie's a gift to the world. He's a gift to our community. He's light. He's holy. He's, he's great. We love him. He signed, he signed Mike Suba. Oh, yeah? Wow. Stewie yeah. and Yehuda Solomon. They're mm. my age. Yehuda Solomon. Wow. Yeah. All-star team. Yeah. Well, Brody, Pretty amazing. Guys. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I, I see the, the the name of your your shul, Shirat David. Was it supposed to be Shirat Shlomo, but then your name's Shlomo, and then you can't you can't name the shul. After you, know, you know, it's interesting. There is a Shirat Shlomo in Efrat, actually. There, there is, is on the, what we call the Iratika of Efrat. Yeah, on the other side, uh, that was one of the first Shlomo Yanim that started when he was still alive, I think. Um, yeah. So, so what do you do differently in your shul that makes it so unique? There's something so special going on there that people are drawn to it. What's going on? What can we learn from that? It's a bunch of people that feel so blessed to be part of something that is of historic and biblical weight. Not weight, but of a biblical reference we are, we are living between Yerushalayim and Hebron. We, we grew up in Cleveland, Detroit, Los Angeles, Florida, Australia, Denver. Hashem, Hashem made it for us that he said, listen, there's going to be a group of Hebron. They're going to love each other enough to build something that, that, that is needed. That's needed. That's the key word here. And there's a fire burning here. And it is something that isn't taken for granted. And it's a work, you know, we say, we say by the bracha, right? By, by chasma. 
So people think that means an everlasting building. That means that there are certain marriages that they're everlasting. On every anniversary, they just celebrate the fact they didn't get divorced, right? Hiskin lami meno binyan adeyad means the act of binyan is adeyad. Ruch Hashem, the world sees what's happening in your heichal, in BRS. It's bin, it's never, no stagnancy. It's the whole world sees it. Ashrechem. And by us, because it's also on the land that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Sarif, Karach, and Leah, Boaz, and Rus, this all happened. It's not like maybe. It, it's where I'm sitting right now. I, I'm, I'm 30 seconds on the shore. It, it could very well be that when it says, because you could see Harabais from exactly where I'm sitting. It could be that that's, that that happened here. That we're very conscious of that. Wow. We're very conscious of that. And it's a group of chaver. It's a group of mevakshim and really mevakshos. The women here have 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 been the, the greatest inspiration of uh, like right now. My wife. My, my, where are they right now? All the women. It's, oh, it's chayla. So of course they have in, they have their fabring. It's not a shayla. They're buying, you know, one of the women, because of course, it's not like, oh, are we going to do something? It's like, this is what we do. The women and men learn every day. We go on trips, whether yeah. it's throughout the throughout here and many trips we've done to Ukraine. There, there's, there's a sense of kehila that's here. And more than anything, it's it's needed and it's humbling. It, it, is, it is so humbling to be part of this. Rav Weinberger has held my hand every step of this way. <clears throat> when when we were trying to figure out, when I was trying to figure out, to go back to the initial question, music or this uh, or other options and opportunities. So Rebbe told me, he said, you know, one of the greatest things a person can do in this life if, is if they end up doing what they actually want to do in this world. What's even greater is if um, they end up doing what's needed. But Gan Eden is when they're both the same. Is hmm. if what you want to do is actually what's needed and you end up doing that. Hmm. And I feel a lot of the chevra here are living that mitzvah. And like someone once asked me, do you sing, do you, are you, do you do Karbach Friday night? I don't even know what that question means anymore. What does that even mean? Do you have a Karbach minion? <laughs> I don't understand what that means. It's not even... You know, it's funny, I, I'm most of the time for this first Shana Rishona that we're in our binyan, I'm chazan Friday night. I think maybe on the yard site, I, I actually did the actual Nusach like he did. Because in, you, you have to be Mishchadish, but he's already in the Nusach, even if it's new. It, it, could, it doesn't matter. It's, he's in it. It's like any, any Achron that ever wrote anything, right? that ever wrote anything, even if he doesn't quote Rashi, okay? if he doesn't quote it's there. In my last sot, it's it's part of the shorish of the Masorah, right? So of course it's there, but it's not about that. It's it's about something else that's going on here. And it has to do with Eretz Yisrael. It has to do with Eretz Asher Eine Hashem Lekechaba. And it's a conscious, It's a that's the word we keep on coming back to. To live with that consciously, it puts things into perspective. The Hevra here are, the, are Matana. They're just the gifts. And the kehillah is growing. And it is a chiddush because 
in Eretz Yisrael, for I've been thinking about this for 10 years, day and night. In Eretz Yisrael, kihilot, kihilas, like you have by you, is not so common. It's not mm-hmm. found so much. And it's also the reason, and I say this with with a lot of year of apachad right now, but with trust that anyone that hears me, remember what Paul Simon said, man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. So I'm going to say this very clearly. There's a lot, there's a legitimate reason that many won't make that move to Eretz Yisrael. And it's because the, the spiritual comfort, not the physical comfort, talking about the real the spiritual comfort that is presented before them um, justifiably, and I say this justifiably to, to, to a large extent, um, keeps them where they are. And I get that. I have I have conversations like this, what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say every day, but at least two or three times a week with families that are that we're in talks with to try to, you know, that, that, that are coming or that have come and are trying to make it here. So what we've, what we've built here, what Hashem has allowed us to build here is to take that legitimate concern and say, I'm sorry. Hmm. That, just, that excuse won't work. Not now. It's a holy excuse. It's, the, it's a very holy excuse. But as holy as it is, it's still an excuse. I look at the schedule of the shirim you're giving in, in Shirat David. I thought I gave a lot of shirim a week. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. It's unbelievable what you're, the light that you're, you're, you're sending out. And it's really, really incredible. You've been very generous with your time. I want to go to a little bit of a lightning round as we uh, start to head down to Shlomo. Talk to us about the Yom and the Rayim. You're the Chazan. In addition to being the Rav of the Kehillah, Talk about the uh, favorite piyot, anything that jumps out at you that you look forward to, you count down towards. Is there that piyot that when you hit it, is it uh, Nisana Toka, Fochil Lake? Is there something that Shemelech Hashem, is there something that jumps off that you, oh, that's my piyot. That's when I, I'm on fire. It's it's not just me. There's something happens to everyone, and the explosion goes without a shadow of a doubt. Huge, huge. Um, use your own nigunim in the davening. Probably, <laughs> probably. I say that because as much as I prepare, sometimes it's just you could prepare anything, but if something else is going on in the room, you just invite to it. So. I think do you so. ever do you ever prepare maybe even make a note in the machs or to use this niggin and then your mind goes blank you get to that period or you get to that place and you're like I, I i can't i can't by the way i'm you're that doesn't happen that's the difference between like guys like me like there's that niggin i love that's like a shabbos table you tell your wife you're like you know that niggin i love how did right. it go again how does it start again and that's the difference between someone who leads davening and doesn't that doesn't um, happen here I'll say yes to make people feel more. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't. You use Eitan's nigunim in your davening? Is there a favorite Eitan cat's nigun that you have? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. He knows that. Yeah. He knows that. Give us, give us, give us one second. 
But Nusach, you can't mess with Nusach. It's right. not just my opinion. Shlomo was very, very makpid on Nusach also. Right, right, right. Yeah. Definitely. That's how I get ready, by the way. The, the YouTube Slichus of Shlomo. Oh, just yeah. play, while I'm writing Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kiv, Shavashuva, that's just playing on, on a loop. Beautiful. On a loop. That's beautiful. A, a lot of Nusach. A lot of Nusach. Absolutely. Amazing. Rosh Shlomo, we, we could talk for hours and hours, and we will. In Efrat, in Yerushalayim, we'll sing your songs and everyone else's. We wish you a Ksiva Chasimatova. Thank you for inspiring our Elul, going behind the Bima. Amen. Really so much to think about. And, and you're such a source of light and of inspiration. And whichever direction you pivot, share it all, because we need it all, and we're, and we're super grateful for it all. Um, thank you so much. Ksiva Chasimatova to everyone. And may, Hashem, may, may it be that all our, all our tefillahs and Mizgashim right in front of our eyes this year, Be'ez Hashem. Amen. Amen. Shalom, cats. Hard not to be inspired of the sweetness of his voice and his gentle soul, his neshama. It's like, wow, another world. He's not putting out a performance. Some people are, are poor or cheap imitations of Rib Shlomo or others, and some are just genuine. It's their neshama that shines through, and I think he's the latter. I love it. You know, I didn't know that most of the songs that I've I've listened to in the last i'd say 20 years are actually from him and his brother i had no idea yeah i really didn't know that i started Super listening time. to his brother now i'm gonna start listening to him it's like speaking another language a little bit you know if, if you don't know and i don't know what it's like to compose a niggin right i don't know what that means it comes to you and then you play with it and then it evolves and then you then you have it you know i can barely remember to sing the tunes that i already know and love that's why he looked at me yeah. like i was crazy i was like you ever mark off your moxer then you draw a blank on what that niggin <laughs> so is funny I, I'll tell you, last week I was at Hillel at FAU. They were doing like a pre-Shabbos. They wanted to do like a traditional service. And I'm telling you, like I tried doing like a Karbach, throwing a new one in. And I knew it was a mistake. And you know, like there's like three Kabbalah Shabbos tunes for like the six, yeah. right? So I found the like, first one I totally botched. Like I just, I couldn't figure out the tune. I just totally, I blanked. Get to the next one, which I love. But I'm pretty sure I sang it to the wrong paragraph, like to the wrong chapter. Okay, of happens. And I just, I, but I went with it. I just, I like happens. I, went, I just kept. So tell going. us. Let's let's wrap up. I uh, first oh. of all, before we wrap up, actually. So, yeah. what are your reflections? What was your favorite part of that conversation? And how do you compare Rib Shlomo and Rebetan? Oh, they're so different. I think I know. You, like we introduced, I was saying, there's so much that's that's different and so much the same. But I I feel like there's a, there's a lot of differences, and I love them both. The the one thing that he said that that really touched me was. It like resonated, you know. You, you take a look back and you'll see, like, there's, there's like magic 
I couldn't stop smiling. He said, you know, you always hear this. I think Hami used to say this to us all the time. You know, you, you find what you love doing and you never work a day in your life. Right. But he took it to the next level where he's like, when you find your purpose and that matches up with what you do and you love. Now it's like, it's not just what you work at. It's right. It actually links up with what you think your purpose is. And I think as we get older, we kind of hope that we we're finding that. So I love that image. Yeah. yeah. It was our dear friend, Matthew Hockerman. Matthew's father of blessed memories to say, if you love what you do, uh -huh. you never work a day in your life. Well, so we're going to get Matthew on behind the beam of one day. Absolutely. But yeah, I do. I, I think that you and I feel that way. We're passionate. We love what we do. It's yeah. the difference between a job and a calling. And <laughs> if you feel like you're making a contribution, what you're doing is a calling, then it's not a job. It's not work. It can, you don't have to love every aspect of it. It can be tiring and exhausting, right. but, um, but you love what you do. I think that I think the tiring and, and exhausting and all the meetings and all the the, the the nonsense that you have to put up with is really just like the Yetzirah's way of trying to distract you and trying to knock you off your game, and just just you know plow right through that because I'm not I'm not stopping and neither. Are you. I just read an article about Elon Musk, yeah. Tesla fame. He has a policy at Tesla. He hates meetings. He thinks they're terribly unproductive. So he has a policy, company wide policy. If you're at a meeting and you feel you're no longer needed, you're no longer contributing, it's not important for you to be there, you should get up and walk out. <laughs> I'm doing if that. you're in a Zoom, just exit. If you're in a room with people and it's a meeting that you say, I don't really need to be here. I'm not contributing. I'm not get, yeah. just get up and walk out. And right. like, if you have a meeting and it wasn't necessary, you're in trouble. Right. Not that if um, you don't show to the meeting, you're in trouble. If you have a meeting and it wasn't necessary, you're in trouble. It's an interesting philosophy about meetings. Yeah. I so love, very I different. Shlomo and Eitan are very different. They yeah. complement each other. They're also very same. They're both heartsick. They both have that same, same authenticity and genuineness and, and heart and love. But you know, hashkafically different. And we we love that. We love the Shivan Panam the Torah. Right. We love Shivan Panam to music, Shivan Panam to to teaching and inspiration. And that was a great conversation. Close us out by telling us what's next. So last night, incredible event proved that two hundred different people could sit and learn with one another. Where does that? Does it die in the around the table? Where does it go? No, now the work just begins. The the high holidays, right? Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Yom Nuraim are about to about to descend on us. Right after that, Simchas Torah, we're about to launch a six part series, which will lead us into Hanukkah. And the idea is that in six lessons or sessions, whatever you want to say, you're having with someone else on a weekly basis. There could be a session of lunch and learns. There could be a session of evening programs. Let's say every Monday or every Tuesday night. And hopefully by the end of that six sessions, you actually have found a new friend, someone that you never would have anticipated. And then you'll get, get together for Hanukkah. You'll light up a candle together. And Amazing. I love it. That I is it. And, 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 you, and can I just say one thing? And I hope you maybe you'll add on to this because I, I think you told me something special from Russell Levachik this morning. The name of the program, which we didn't even tell anyone, it's called Am One. Am, like Am Yisrael, right? The nation, the people. And we should just be a, a, right. a nation that's one. Come back together. And yeah. you said that Am is also... Im. Im. Says, Am, nation, is from Im, with. You're a nation when you act with the other person, when you are together, when you are together. Yeah. I um, I didn't share earlier, I wish I had, but uh, complimenting behind the BMO, we're starting a new uh, project. Moshe Yachnes, who's a therapist in Boca, and I, you know, the, there's an explosion of mental health challenges around the world right now and in our community. And one of the biggest challenges with it is the stigma, the shame, the shanda around it. And the way that we get rid of that is to talk about it. So we are having a program, Motei Shabbos, this Saturday night, Prislichos, 9.30 p.m. You can find it on uh, YouTube, on, on YouTube, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. It's called Out of the Shadows, Dealing with Mental Health. Ra uh, we have on Dr. Blumenthal, Dr. Pelkovitz, Rachel Tuckman, Ellie Shevelis, four real all-stars wow. in the 
mental health area, mental health space, talking about this is an introduction overview of mental health issues in the uh, in the Orthodox community. And then each episode will focus on a different mental health wow. challenge, anxiety, yeah. depression, not to ADD, be, not to be OCD. Right. We'll bring on an expert. We'll bring on people who are struggling with it, what they've uh, learned and, and lessons that we can take away. And I'm uh, really excited. Hopefully that makes a difference to get people talking about it. Take away the stigma to have people come out of the shadows. And uh, that's how we can hopefully move the needle on this in a meaningful way. So you're moving yeah. the needle on Jewish unity. Achtos, am one, im. Am one is here. Trying to move the needle. Am one. You call it am one, you call it im one. We, we don't even care. Am right one, now. im one. Just bring yeah. it together. Come to the table. Try to, right. try to move the needle on out of the shadows. You can find that on a podcast player after this Saturday night, after this Motei Shabbos. And you could find it uh, on YouTube. So, so streaming nine, premiering nine thirty on Motzei Shabbos before Slichos. It's a good productive use of the uh, evening. Hopefully, people will take advantage. So, excited, Rabbi Brody. Always great conversation. Always great to be together and spend time together. Until next time, next week, we got a big guest next week. Big, big, really big guest. Very oh, exciting I can't guest. wait. Very exciting guest, and uh, not not fully confirmed, but hopefully, it's going to work out. And uh, Hmm. Big guest. I can't wait to find yeah. out. Excited. Just, and, just so everyone uh, out there knows, like I don't get to find out <laughs> in advance. That's right. That's right. Free Rosh Hashanah episode. Don't forget hashtag Get Gersh Married. If you got an idea for him, let us know. That's Whoever right. uh, will eat well, the great chef, and they will be loved and taken care of. He's such a great heart. Yeah. So uh, it's always great to be together. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the beamer.